Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. In the Marbles with Preston and Matt. Better late than never in the Marble fans. I am Matt Beamer alongside Preston Lude. Preston, how are you doing today? Feeling much better, Beamer. Yeah, what was wrong? What We wanted to do this show Tuesday. What happened? Stomach virus. We have a lot of news and coverage to catch up on here at In the Marbles. And Preston, you want to start with some news? I, I know a lot of news has happened here over the past weekend over the weekend but why don't you get us started right now i got a couple of things to catch us up on jtg dowdy racing their number 47 hauler experienced fire on the way to kansas oh yeah that was crazy did you see the pictures of i have not seen any pictures Holy yet cow. i just saw it from this morning it, it is destroyed it looks like something ripped off the top of the hauler oh, and wow. crazy enough we saw that team win at the Roval with A.J. Amendinger. Luckily, nobody was hurt in that accident going to Kansas, and they're still planning to field two cars there at the racetrack. Best of luck to them. I hope everything is solid with them, that thankfully no lives were lost. They can replace the stuff fast and get back up to competitive uh, status. Absolutely. Um, something else I saw this morning, uh, Harrison Burton is going to be driving the number 20 Toyota I, in the Xfinity yeah, Series I next saw, year. That was uh, in my notes, last-minute notes, but that's big. Uh, Harrison Burton, a young up-and-comer star in the Xfinity Series, getting a great opportunity opportunity there in Christopher Bell's vacated seat because Christopher Bell's going to the number 95 car in the cup level. So interesting to see how both of those drivers will adapt to their new level of racing and new equipment as one might 
think, especially going from Harrison with Harrison Burden going over to Joe Gibbs racing there in the twenty car. Um, I also saw something about um, Colleg racing in the Xfinity Series. They had hauler issues also. They got into an accident oh, on the way to man. Kansas as well. It's just a bad day to be a hauler driver in the uh, Xfinity so Series. I said they drove off the side of the road or something like that. I can't quite remember what the tweet was. I've read those drivers log two hundred thousand hours in or miles in a season, driving cross-country all the time. Unfortunately, people get tired, accidents happen. But thankfully, again, I didn't hear of any type of injuries from either one of those accidents. So I got some news, a big story I wanted to share with uh, you and people at In The Marvels. I posted it on Facebook, but Formula One is has taken that next step to have a race in Miami come 2021. I will be there if that happens, because I've only been to one Formula One race in Indianapolis. Uh, it's one of those racing events I feel that everybody will enjoy here in America. We already have a American Grand Prix in Austin, so yeah. I was curious to see how that will work, if we'll have two Grand Prix here in America, or if Austin will get replaced with Miami. However, I feel that move is will be good for Miami and Formula One, just based on the artist's conceptions of the track. It looks really amazing. So if that does indeed go through, it needs to go through the Miami-Dade County for approval, which I don't see why they wouldn't approve it, given that it's it would be an international event. You have tourism just rocket that city. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it'll be a good exposure for Miami. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, if Formula One is smart, they keep two Grand Prix in America. Really? I, in my opinion, I think that's. I don't think Austin should be replaced, but adding Miami, I don't know. I don't really know too much about how they want to go about that. But. Yeah, I, I don't know the the backstory or not the backstory. More so the idea if they want to keep one race or have both races here. There are a lot of Formula One fans in America, a lot more than what people would think. Mm-hmm. And Formula One is a fun form of auto racing to watch. In fact, uh, later on in the show, we're going to cover the Japanese Grand Prix. I think a lot of people would get exposed to it, and it would be good for not only Miami, but for Formula One. Any other news? No, um, I think that's it. I, what we really need to get into was an exciting Talladega race in the world of NASCAR, both the truck and the Cup Series. Uh, we will definitely get to that. But one more thing I wanted to bring up with you. During the red flag for the, first re- for the weather yeah. at the race... Chevy drivers got together. Chevy brought all the Chevy drivers in and talked. Now, when the pit reporters went up to Chase Elliott and said, what was that about? He was saying, oh, we're talking about the new Corvette coming out. Now, what were they talking about? That's my question, because it seemed like Chevy in particular, not Toyota, not Ford, but Chevy was very adamant about the bow ties, working with bow ties. Forget about the Toyotas, forget forget about the Fords. Chevys work with Chevys, whereas Toyota and Fords are thinking, whatever gets us to the front, I don't care what you are, let's work together and go. What's your take on that? You know, they can do what they want. It's it's very interesting to see how we've evolved over the years, going from pack racing, everybody is racing with each other, hey, I got a friend here, you're going to help me here, that's great. All of a sudden, manufacturers come into play, and now we got Fords are only working with each other, Chevys are only working with each other, 
in practices, you have the same yep. manufacturers going out in practice and just practicing, which is weird. I don't really like it too much. You know, just let them all race. I don't know why we have to be competing Chevy here and Toyota here, and they all got to, you, you know, if you're running Chevy and I'm running Toyota, I can't go draft with you. I mean, that's... It's a little ridiculous. I don't think that's Toyota and Ford's mindset. I think that was more Chevy because they want to keep that dominance. I mean, Chevy's synonymous with Talladega because you've had Earnhardt's race there, both junior and senior win a lot of races there. Jeff Gordon's. Jeff Gordon's. However, it's been more at restrictor play tracks. It depends on what race you look at, obviously. But Toyotas and Fords are always up there more so than the Chevys. Yeah. Because the downsides that I saw, especially at this last weekend's race, I, I don't know if you noticed it either, that every time there was a big wreck, all the Chevys were packed up together. So who got taken out in one wreck? The, the Chevys, Chevys all got yeah, taken absolutely. out. That was interesting. Uh, I know just listening to the coverage of the race that Dale Jarrett didn't really care for that. He didn't like that whatsoever because he looks at it as a team order. If you look at Formula One, they're big on that. If one driver is in the lead of the championship and they're behind their teammate, they will tell the teammate to move over so he gets the winner's championship points. That's happened more than once, caused a lot of controversy, in particular when Barry Kellis moved over for Michael Schumacher and Schumacher won the race and didn't jump up and down like Michael Schumacher normally did. It was just a, eh, I thank you. They did it for the points. That's uh, definitely something that Dale Jarrett wasn't a fan of. I don't care. If they want to work together, fine. Just alienate themselves from everybody else. But uh, any other news? That's about all I got here on my pamphlet. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it from yeah. what I have. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and get into uh, this past weekend's races, uh, starting with the Japanese Grand Prix for Formula One. How do you like that? Nice. We're trying to spice things up here at In the Marbles, and I feel like, just going off track here, one of the best things about these podcasts just starting is that people get to see the evolution of the podcast and how we just try to come up with innovative ways to keep this show interesting. Did you did did you by any chance watch the Japanese Grand Prix? Unfortunately, I did not. It well, was in the middle of the night. Well, there was this uh, hurricane coming up, and I don't know the name of the hurricane. Or typhoon. typhoon. I don't know the name of the typhoon, and it threw a wrench into a lot of stuff. Saturday's normally qualifying day for Formula One. That got moved to Sunday morning before the race. I applaud Formula One. Because a few years ago, Formula One decided to run the race when a typhoon was literally right on top of him. And Jules Bianchi, unfortunately, was severely injured in an accident at the race and succumbed to his injuries a short time after that. I I applaud them for thinking safety first and move qualifying. You might not get as much time in practice. They got everything done. So I didn't even get to watch qualifying because when I thought qualifying was on, it was something else on ESPN. Ferrari locked out the front row, so Vettel qualified first and Leclerc qualified second at the start of the race. And it seems like to me the most interesting time during the race is the start for Formula One. 
-hmm. standing start lights out go something happened to Vettel he didn't get up to speed he he almost jumped to start but it didn't trip the sensor and that allowed him to hesitate Botas went around him and took the lead and never really looked back during the race but the big thing out of lap one was Leclerc got into Verstappen the air something happened aerodynamically to the car which caused him to understeer so tight in NASCAR terms and hit Verstappen, causing Verstappen to spin. Verstappen never recovered from that, ended up... Verstappen ended up last. He yeah, didn't he, even finish. He, he didn't even finish. I, just, I did la- see some of the highlights, uh, uh, and I did see that he was... On he lap got 14, run into. Yeah, on lap 14, he parked the car. He was done for the day. Pretty much it was all Mercedes all day with Hamilton having a bad few breaks there and causing him to finish third. However, he did get the fastest lap and in Formula 1 this season. If you have the fastest lap and finishing the points, which is top 10, you get an extra championship point. So it's kind of a nice little bonus point. I like that. I wish there was maybe a little more than a point, but Formula 1 does stuff their way and they've always done stuff their way. Botas led 47 laps. The race was scheduled for 53. However, it was shortened down to 52 because somebody waved a checkered flag or pretty much signaled that the race was over a lap before so mistakes happened it was technically 52 laps but Botas led 47 of those laps Hamilton led six locking up the constructors championship for the sixth consecutive season previous record held by Ferrari at five years in a row there was a new lap record for Lewis Hamilton at 130.983 on lap 45 which clinched him the fastest slap award point interesting with that lap one collision that caused Leclerc's car to become damaged from there he then had pieces of the car fall off hit Lewis Hamilton which thank god for the halo system because just based on that hit it could have hit Hamilton in the head and hurt him real bad he was penalized for that incident five seconds and then an additional 10 seconds for not pitting and fixing the damage fixing the front wing that cost him 15 seconds overall dropped him from sixth to seventh in the finishing order kind of just one of those races and we'll get to it again at um um, the rate the race segment of the show but you know formula one is one of those things where your car is out front and dominating your battles for usually seventh or eighth i feel or not first second third those guys are usually far out front a decent race but not the most memorable race i've ever seen in formula one any takes on it or i need to go back and watch the whole race i just I kind of caught snippets and everything like that. You know, I like to, if I, if I miss a race, I go to YouTube. Usually YouTube, somebody's got races uploaded of, like, highlights. So, like, right. I can look over some highlights, but I need to go back and watch the whole thing. Yeah, after the lap one incident with Leclerc and Verstappen, really not much happened yeah. after that to me. I mean, a few cars went off. Other than that, it just wasn't... It just was one of those typical Formula 1 races, I feel, where it was somebody's out in front, they're hooked up to the track, and it's a slot car at that point. I guess we'll just move on from there and talk about NASCAR. Green, green, green. All right, something we could both talk about a little more intelligently than Formula One, NASCAR, truck series race. We start off with the trucks. How was it to you? It was good. A little caught off a little off guard 
with the whole finish and how Johnny yeah, Sauter got yeah. disqualified. It was unfortunate to watch him celebrate. Out, celebrate. He's got the Chuck and flag. I won the race. And then they tell Spencer Boyd, hey, guess what? You actually won the race. Get in your truck and go, you know, do your burnout, go to victory lane. Oy. It was a good race. It's I would The truck series never fails. When it comes to super speedways, at least. No, it really doesn't. And just watching the race, it was a, it was a really good race. Very quiet up until the end. Uh, Sheldon Creed won stage one. Stuart Friesen won stage two. But with seven laps to go, that's when everything started to... Everybody's seeing the finish line and hurry up, hurry up and go. So with seven laps to go, Chastain leading. Came down on the two car of Sheldon Creed. Spinning Chastain and causing a big crash that collected nine uh, nine trucks in total. But from there, it seemed like it just was bound to be a classic finish for the trucks. Classic finish is a little bit of an underestimate, I guess you could say. You think say. so? Uh, well, like I said, I think a lot of people were caught off guard with the whole Johnny Sauter's going to get penalized for this. And, I mean, it could go different ways. He did block. He did make the block coming into the trioval. Well, the way I see it, and we could talk about this, this is a good point to talk about the yellow line. It was instituted in the spring race at Talladega in 2001. However, do you feel that it has run its course, that there's really no point to it? Daytona and Talladega are the only places that have that rule. I, I could see why in the sense of like where in the old days of Talladega and Daytona where everywhere was grass in the infield and you get tires on grass, you lose traction and collect cars, but a lot of it now is paved. Talladega's backstretch is paved, Daytona's backstretch is paved with a little spots of grass here and there. Yeah. For the for, for the most part, it's paved. And I didn't see a problem with solder coming down and blocking and it's you're racing to the checkered flag. Yeah, absolutely. Sauter is looking at championship, while Spencer Boyd is looking at I want to win my first truck race. He could have very easily been spun out. However, he wasn't. To me, that's no harm, no foul. Good racing, but NASCAR decided differently. I think the yellow line has probably run its course at this point. The only reasonable, logical thing I can come up with as to why they still have that is I know that they want to. They think that they need to keep cars in a certain area of the track, but I think it, you know, the yellow line coming into the trioval. You go below the yellow line, it's flat, and we're not talking about banking anymore. It could cause an accident, you know, depending on if you get down there, whatnot. The yellow line is pretty much run its course at this point. I mean, people could go below the yellow line on the backstretch, and there's no problem, just as long as everybody gets back up on that banking before they get to the turn, you know. And there it's hit or miss. Exactly. It's hit or miss. So it's a double-edged sword, but it's NASCAR show, and if they want to enforce that, they have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. But then, after that penalty, Sauter was dropped from 1st to 14th, the last truck on the lead lap, which hurt him in the standings. He is now 7th in the standings, minus 2 points away from the cut line. And this is where it gets interesting. He had that next round, or the final round, locked up. Not anymore. He's got to go to Martinsville and race his way up there. But the top ten looks like this. Following Talladega for the truck series. Moffitt, Friesen, Hill, Crafton, top four. Akram, Chastain, Sauter, and Enfinger. So a 
couple of implement a couple of hits there in the championship for some of those guys being involved in the wreck. Uh, like we said, uh, next race is in Martinsville on the 26th of October. We shall see. Maybe Sauter could race his way back up and have no yellow line rule to hurt him there. Yeah, no yellow line rule there at Martinsville. So. Nah, not at all. Preston, before we get to our next segment of In the Marbles, i got a question for you. You and I know a lot about racing, don't we? We sure do. But you know what we don't know anything about? Do tell. Gas fireplaces. And since it's getting a little colder outside, everybody's starting to feel the fall air here in the low country of South Carolina. The perfect person to call for all your gas fireplaces questions and needs is Spencer Aubrey at Low Country Hearth. And with his convenient showroom, he can show up according to your schedule in a very convenient mobile showroom. If you have any questions about your gas fireplace, please call Spencer Aubrey at 843-990-3475 or email him at lowcountryhearth at gmail.com. He also has a Facebook page, Low Country Hearth, and if you mention In the Marbles, you will get 10% off service calls and new logs. So definitely look him up. He's a man of great integrity and very well skilled at this area of expertise. So contact Spencer robbery at low country hearth for all your gas fireplace needs so we come down to the main event of talladega the cup series and what a race it was kind of full of everything here what was your take on it uh well considering the fact that it took two days pretty much to get that in exciting a very exciting race there was mistakes like there seems to be always at big tracks like that you know like the alex bowman incident for example trying to come down and block joey logano as the whole field is coming i mean some some might say logano bumped bowman oh he either way more than a bump either way uh (laughs) both of them made a mistake causing a spin just talladega like we said last week in last week's show was a crapshoot exactly a lot of people came up snake eyes i feel during that race it was an exciting race. If I would rank that on a scale of 1 to 10, I'd probably give it a 10 easily. It was full of everything that you would probably see, what people would probably want to see. You you have accidents, which I hate when we have those big accidents. I feel bad for those guys. Uh, you have a great finish. Ryan Newman, man, real close to getting that victory, but Ryan Blaney, not so fast. <laughs> yeah, well, Ryan Newman came up there in the last lap, and it was one of those things if Larry Remick Reynolds was there, he would say, where did he come from? Exactly. See, I rated the race as a 9.8, Ooh. and the give you an idea of my rating system i'm part of the nascar fan council and every race they have you rated on five categories excitement unpredictability competitiveness memorability and intensity i gave tens to everything but excitement in which it was a nine because i heard the term i did not ever want to hear in nascar especially at super speedway racing tandem racing and i heard that a few times and that made me cringe i didn't want to hear that it didn't come to fruition because everybody was pretty much in a pack i like that two by two by two racing at daytona and talladega what a great race we'll start off with the stage winners william byron and clint boyer 
went on to win stage one and two. Of course, there was that red flag following stage one. Yeah. With the rain, NASCAR said we're going to postpone this till tomorrow. I got to come home and watch the race, enjoy the rest of the race at home. Boyer won stage two. Nothing really happened until stage three. Stage three. And that's when everything started happening. But one big thing did happen in stage one. On lap 34, when everybody was coming into pit, Ryan Blaney, brake bias was wrong or something, and he just spun every so easily into the grass, took it around, been on Sunday, win on Monday type thing, as it goes for a lot of races that's happening in the past. Chase Elliott, rack and win, Truex, spin and win at Richmond. It's been happening a lot. It seems like if you spin out, you have a chance to win. I'm just saying. <laughs> but with uh, four to go in stage two, that's when uh, Bowman got the tap. I, we said stage three but that pretty much ended the stage there Bowman got the tap from Logano causing a 10 car power yeah, he he did take responsibility for that one Bowman did say that uh, that was his fault what amazed me and I took a picture of everybody involved every like you know how that NASCAR has that graphic involved in crash yeah Logano was pretty much in every one of them except the last one Mm-hmm. But him and Kurt Busch were just seemed to be in the middle of it. Him, Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick seemed to be in the middle of everything there. But then with 36 to go in the race, Boyer cut down the tire. He hit the wall and cut down the tire and was stuck there on the apron until the uh, safety workers could pull him away. Again, we had a wreck with 26 to go, and that was really the, I think, changing factor in the chase here. That's when Byron cut down the tire, hit Logano. We, I thought... Just based on the end card, Logano blew a tire, but no, he got hit, took out nine. That was a nine car accident. That mm-hmm. took out a lot of big hitters. Kyle Larson was in that one. I Was Kyle Larson in that one, or was he in, let's see here. No, the, the, Larson was in the first one. Thank goodness he won at Dover. That's why you want to win to advance. He had nothing to worry about, but Bowman was taken out in the first one. Byron was taken out. Hendrick took a hit mm-hmm, this yeah. weekend. Yeah, they did. Big time. I have a feeling, and I got the stats. I'll I'll tell everybody what, what I think their chances are of advancing, but it doesn't look good for Hendrick. Yep, not going in. None. Not going into Kansas. Kansas. That happened, and it was seven to go. Kyle Busch calls the biggest wreck and by far the most spectacular wreck of the day. You want to tell us about it? He didn't really cause it. Well, his brother did. Well, Kyle Busch went sideways. Sideways, and then, well, you know how the rest goes. Somebody gets sideways, and well, all hell breaks loose. And Holy cow. Brendan I... Gaughan was flying through the air, and DiBenedetto <laughs> was getting caught up. Oh, and I was so, ah, I man, was so all these, disappointed. All these underdogs. You know, Brendan Gaughan was coming up on that high side. And Brendan they were... Gaughan, David Reagan. Matt Benedetto, a lot of guys were involved in that. Oh, I'm so mad because I wanted the Benedetto to win. He was my pick, and of course he wrecks. But yeah. that's not that wasn't his fault. I feel I feel like it was just one of those things. Yeah, David Reagan looked like he got all the way through that until I can't oh, remember yeah. who I can't remember who came up and collected him right as he had gotten through. I was like, oh, right? David Reagan made right? it, and then yeah, he got tagged. And it was. Chaotic. It was it was a chaotic day for a lot of people, and unfortunately, it's just a lot of chaos for those people. And that's just racing in Talladega. It is. I just I want to know what goes through anybody's mind when they're in a wreck and they're upside down in the air, and you just see the field of cars going right under you. It looks like it happened so fast it that it happened even, very fast. That he he probably didn't even register what happened until he looked at the replay. Brendan Gone came out of the care center and he. 
he's like, oh, that's nothing. I'll be back for the 500. Yeah, I'll be back it's for whatever. the 500 and call it quits, <laughs> it sounds like to me. Final lap was a really good race. I thought Newman had it. I think he, he made that jump a little too early, but I mean, there's nothing you can really can do at that point. You're getting pushed, and Hamlin was, I mean, Hamlin and Newman out of nowhere. Hamlin's pushing Newman. I don't think he really has control of when it's time to go if they're already on that outside. I mean, he just knows that he's already that far out front. You better be blocking for your life if you have to. Yeah, and Newman got beat by .007 seconds. Seventh closest finish in Talladega history but definitely one that I will remember for a while it was a really good race and I think Blaney is very breathing a sigh of relief going into Kansas this weekend I think he needed that he needed that for sure but of the 12 drivers who were left in the chase nine of them were involved in some kind of accident that day you have Kurt Busch who's not in the Round of 12, but he was involved in all three accidents. I just found that very funny. Then Harvick Logano were involved in two of the three. Mm-hmm. But Logano came back and finished 11th. Amazing. Cautions fell right for him and finished 11th. That's exactly what he needed to do. Get as many points as you can. Because Koslowski didn't finish. Top 10 for Talladega Blaney, and he advances after the round of 12 to the round of 8. So he's locked into the round of 8. Ryan Newman, Denny Hamlin, Eric Almarola, and Michael McDowell, top 5. What a great top 5. Really? What a just, you know, you never see a lot of those people. Hamlin you see up there all the time, but Newman and McDowell, glad to see them have a good run. And guess what? Oh my gosh. Austin Dillon finished in the top 10. Well, he didn't wreck either. He didn't wreck. He That's didn't wreck at all as, as far crazy. as I told. I mean, Hamrick got caught up in that accident with seven to go unfortunately austin dillman that's top 10 amazing amazing i'm sure they celebrated but another surprise top 10 lajoy Corey lajoy Corey lajoy 32 car good for finished them seventh elliot finished eighth rebounding stenhouse ninth and ty dillon oh my gosh finally breaks the top 10 sounds like those R- dillon brothers need to be playing that lottery no kidding they needed to be playing something it must have been that dale Earnhardt car on the track giving them a little bit of mojo that was then- pretty cool to see and then again, uh, Joey Logano, after suffering heavy damage, finished 11th. Going into Kansas, here's what the points look like. Larson and Blaney are both locked in with wins at Dover and Talladega. Third is Denny Hamlin. Fourth, Truex Jr., who did not finish at Talladega. Kyle Busch, fifth. Harvick, sixth. Kozlowski, seventh. And Logano rounding out the top eight. Logano did everything he could to put himself in that position to keep himself above the cut line. He's 18 points above the cut line. However, I think he has a good chance of advancing, and I'll give you the stats later, but he's still in my danger zone. Below the eighth, you have Bowman, Elliott, Clint Boyer, and William Byron. Now, three Hendrick drivers in danger of leaving Kansas and not competing for the championship in Homestead huge implications after Talladega. I went back and looked at everybody in their danger zone, which I feel is Harvick all the way down to Byron. So 6th place all the way down to 12th place. That's how who I feel is in the danger zone. I mean, and Harvick's uh, 36 points up. To me, I, I mean, I agree with you there. I mean, even though Harvick is 36 
points above the cut line. If they have a, a rogue problem, you know, an engine failure or something. It happens. It could happen. Good kick. I mean, you... Cut down the right front tire and you go into the wall. Exactly. And you finish 40th and, uh-oh. You're done. You but know, then it's... someone like Bowman wins and goes on and... Uh-oh, everybody else has good runs, but you, you're in trouble. Either way, four people were going home after this race, not being able to race for the championship. Here's what I did. I went back as far as I can, three races. I did both spring and fall races at there. So I did the last six races at Kansas mm-hmm. for every driver I could, with the exception of Byron, who's only raced three in total. And here's what I got. Harvick's average finish is a 6.3, the highest of all the people in the danger zone. 6.3 with a couple wins in there. But then you go down to someone like Byron who ha- whose average finish there and all the times he's racing the couple level at Kansas, 30.3. Ooh. That is not good. That's not looking that good at all. Good. That's terrible. But then you look at Chase Elliott whose average finish is 13.5. Byron, I feel, is in a must win. He's got to get all the stage points lead every stage and come out on top in order to do that to me it is who's gonna be eliminated here just based on the average finishes i'm gonna say bowman byron for sure i want to say are gonna get out of the round of eight i agree with that boyer has an average finish of 14.5 however he does statistically worse in the fall race with his past three finishes being 13th 19th and 26th His spring races are way better with a 5th, 15th, and ninth. I look at that and Boyer's, Boyer's to lose. And yeah. he's very passionate about Kansas. He loves that racetrack. He wants to run well there because that's his home track. Out of all that, what do you see? Who do you see is like the in the danger zone and looking at maybe a going home? It's... It's tough because this top 12, I don't want to see any of these guys get eliminated. But to me, I think Clint Boyer has a bounce back race. I think, I mean, I wouldn't say he will get the win at Kansas. He might have a chance. I mean, just because he's statistically, excuse me, has had trouble in the fall race at Kansas. I mean, he could have a a different weekend this weekend. I'm looking for Boyer to do very well. As far as Alex Bowman goes, I don't think Alex Bowman's going to move on. I don't think him. I got to go. I got to go what I've been hearing all week. I don't think all three of those hindered cars are going to get into the you know the the next round i i I don't see it the only person i see that could that's going to be out of those three hendrick cars that could make it is probably chase elliott i mean i wouldn't even go as far as saying maybe even william byron i would think if i had to list one through three as to who i had think has the best chance of moving on out of hendrick i would have to say elliott and then byron and bowman i wouldn't even say byron average finish a 30th no unless chad canals does something works his magic works his magic i don't see byron advancing i barely see bowman advancing he has an average finish of let's see here 18.3 that's not counting stage points i didn't go in that far into the weeds on this but to me um unless something magical happens i'd say that's probably the four that's going to be eliminated byron boyer elliott and bowman i'd love to see boyer advance and finally get that elusive win in kansas i think that'd be probably 
the most popular win following Chase Elliott's win at the Roval with this crash and win. I can, I'll second that. I agree with that. Looking at the points and looking how far all four of these drivers are behind that cut line, the way it goes, we, hell, we could probably go ahead and say the top eight is already advancing at this point because, yeah. I mean, like I said, looking at the points and how far everybody's back, I mean, it's going to take a lot. Plus their average finish uh, in Kansas itself is just one of those things. So we switch from there to the Xfinity, who's also running Kansas, and I have their points as well. The top eight looks like this. Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick, and Austin Sendrick, top four. Now, it is tighter than what the Cup is running right now with Justin Allgaier, Chase Briscoe, Michael Arnett, and Noah Grayson being no more than 12 points back from that Cup line. So you look at Austin Sendrick, I feel he's in the danger zone with plus three, and everybody's going to be hungry. However, here's where it gets interesting for I have the stats. Out of the five drivers, they're in the danger zone, in my opinion. Two have made only one start at Kansas in the Xfinity Series, and Noah Grayson's making his first Xfinity start there. So tough uh, situation for Noah Grayson there. But then I look at this. But then of the other remaining two, Michael Arnett and Justin Allgaier, both junior motorsport drivers, the average finish for Allgaier is 15.7, and Michael Arnett is 22nd. Now, Chase Briscoe also has a start there, finished 30th last year, and Austin Sendrick finished 39th. All those guys, I feel... Fourth on to eighth, but more so the pressure is on Austin Sendrick. He wants to keep that fourth position and move and secure his place, but I'm not worried about Christopher Bell, Cole Custer, or Tyler Reddick at all. No. Those guys run consistently. I'm not worried about them at all. It's Austin Sendrick's position to lose, and everybody else needs to bring their A game in order to advance. All right, so we're going to rate the races from this weekend, starting with Formula One. Considering that you didn't watch the race, I'll give you my rating based on the criteria I explained earlier into the show. 3.6. It wasn't that exciting except on the first couple of laps where everybody's closer together. Unpredictability once Mercedes got in, in front. That was it. it. It was it. Mercedes's race to lose competitiveness. I gave that four. Kind of really competitive between... Hamilton and Vettel there in the closing laps. My goodness, uh, Mercedes is just very dominant. Memorability, Mercedes won. As you can tell, I'm probably not the biggest Mercedes fan out there. And intensity, I gave that a five just because, hey, it's Formula One. Anything could happen. We're going to move on to the Gander Truck Series. What do you rate it? 8.5. 8.5. And I only say 8.5. The rest of the race, I'd probably go with like between 6 and 7. I would say 8.5 because of the finish and what happened after the finish. That's what made it exciting. I will remember that race for a while. I gave that a 9.8 along with the Cup Series a 9.8. Like I said, I heard Tandem racing kind of shut me off in my head. I think both races rated very well for me. I always make it a point to watch Talladega and Daytona because anything could happen. I I rate Talladega to 10, but the only thing that really probably, I know how you say what really got on your nerves was the whole tandem racing thing. What I couldn't stand was listening to Steve Letarte consistently talk about damage clock on pit road. I'm getting tired of hearing about that. I've heard it. I heard it so many times. Talk about Logano coming in and out, in and out. Always only got one minute left on that damage clock. Like, I don't care about that damage clock anymore. Please. 
<laughs> True. Yeah. Well, you got to fill the time something. What are you going to talk about on the caution? I, I get your point. The damage clock, I feel, is one of those ways that for NASCAR to teams to save money, but not what we're... I think they're going for intensity along with trying to save money. I think they're trying to get fans really involved with it, but... I found uh, it more interesting how they repaired damage and put on new fenders. Exactly. Spice. Yeah. That's what I like. That's uh, what I miss. We go back to that. White flag, white flag, white flag. One lap to go. One lap later. All right, and now we've come into our final portion of the show. We have our driver of the week and uh, this week in NASCAR history. I'm going to stop right there. Before we get any further, I have other a couple new news tidbits that I just found out about. Oh. JTG Doherty Racing made it official that Ricky Stenhouse is coming to the team for a multi-year deal. They didn't specify how many years. Okay, and that's I, big. Yeah, very big. Essentially a driver swap that Chris Buescher is going over to Roush Fenway. And then I just saw that uh, Stuart Haas has confirmed that Clint Boyer is coming back for the 2020 campaign for the team. That's good. I like Boyer. I want him to stay as long as he can. I think I'll always be a fan of Clint Boyer. And so our, as we move on from there now, uh, our driver of the week is Derek Wayne Cope. Good pick. Born November 3rd, 1958 in San Diego, California. He is driver and team owner. Uh, known for one of his biggest wins, and, well, he only had two wins, but uh, his biggest win was the 1990 Daytona 500. In his Cup Series career, he raced 427 races over 31 years, combining just two wins, 32 top tens, and one pole. All you need is that Daytona 500. If that's the only race I ever won, well, one of two races, but if that's the only race I ever won, can't take that away from me. Nope, no, no, you're a Daytona 500 champion. That's right. We're going to go back to 19. 19- 69 in this week in NASCAR history, where Leroy Yarbrough won his seventh Super Speedway win of the season in the America 500 at Rockingham. Before he won the race, though, he lost a lap when he blew a tire, sending him into the wall, but he scrambled back and took advantage of the cautions, took the lead with 57 laps remaining, and went on to win that race October 26th. 1969 that is this week in nascar history now about wrap it up here at in the marbles again sorry for the delay in the episode but i hope every one of you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it be ready for next week where we review kansas and get ready for martinsville again to make sure to like our facebook page at in the marbles and follow us on twitter at marbles in For Preston, I'm Matt. Thank you so much for listening and have a good rest of your week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.